Okay, let's get started. Hey horror freaks and welcome back to Confessions of a Horror Freak, the podcast. I am Enda, your host, and as you can see from today's title, I'm going to be giving you my ranking on Mike Flanagan's work, who is an amazing director, by the way, and this is going to be a more of a preference rankings. I don't really believe that he has a bad film or series, so this one is more just a preference. Before we start, who the hell is Mike Flanagan? Mike Flanagan is a director who, before starring in horror, he did some TV work, but eventually he basically jumped to the horror genre in which he has been doing ever since. In my personal opinion, I think that Mike Flanagan is one of the best directors in the modern era and probably in the last 20 years when we talk specifically about the horror genre. Basically, his work is pretty solid. Um, you can search it for yourself. I'm going to be giving you guys the actual critic ranking of every single one of the films, and you're going to realize that all of them are pretty good. Also, if you have watched them, I think that his work, there's no bad or a movie that you would skip. I think that this is more just on preference. So this is going to be my specific preference when it comes to his work. But I am not saying by any means that his work is bad or just because maybe a film is a little bit lower or the series, it doesn't mean that it's bad, it's just my personal preference. So leaving that there, because I think that in general, Mike Flanagan has done an amazing job on the genre. And definitely, like I said, he's in my opinion, one of the best in the modern times. So let's get into it. Now he has done both films and series. I'm going to be giving the full ranking. I wanted to separate them, but I felt like why would be the points? So instead I'm going to mix them all and I have my full ranking of it. Combination is going to be 10. So this is going, I'm going to be starting with the 10 one all the way to the first one. On the last position, we have Absentia. This is a 2011 film. Now this one, it's about Trick's husband, Daniel, has been missing for seven years. Her youngest sister, Callie, comes to live with her as the pressure mounts to finally declare him dead in absentia. Basically, this means absence or in Spanish, ausencia. So basically, this film, I didn't know about it. This is the only film that I didn't watch previous to this video until I decided to do the video and I did my full research and I was like, oh wait, I haven't watched this. So the film, I think that for being his first horror film, because he did a short film before that is Oculus Chapter 3, but that's a short film. Like I said, this is a long film. I think that he did a good job, but it's, I think there's a little bit on the basic side, but still, I think it works. It can be interesting, has good ratings. Like I said, every single one of his works has good ratings. So. But for me, at least this one, it's the, wa the one I enjoy it less. Number nine position, I am a little bit scared, but it's Dr. Sleep from 2019. This one is going to follow Dan Torrance, trying to endure his childhood trauma for the Overlook Hotel. And he's fighting to find some peace, but that peace is going to be shattered when he encounters Abra, who is a courageous teenager with her own powerful extrasensory gift. Now this one, I remember when the book was announced and I didn't understand why it was needed. Um, I'm a big fan of The Shining, both the novel 
and Kubrick's version I know Stephen King hates the film I did a video a few months ago talking about Shelley Duvall's experience filming The Shining that's but to give you a brief summary I don't agree with what Kubrick did to Shelley I think that it's wrong uh, just to do that to any person just really you don't treat people bad just for the sake of acting or art but that's another whole video I already did that if you want to watch that but basically Dr. Sleep for me it wasn't it um like I said I read the book of course when it came out um like I said I had already read The Shining for that moment I love the film like I said I know the Stephen King hate it I know that the movie it's really different from the book but I just separate them. I think that's my best advice. Just don't hate the film. If you like, like I get it if you prefer the novel. I do prefer the novel, but I still do love the film. So when I remember, I was like, why the hell are you making this? I read the book. I didn't like the story in general. I, I don't know, there was something about it that it wasn't clicking. Of course, when the film was announced, I was like, why? <laughs> well, of course that never really stops studios from making it. Now, I think that Mike Flanagan was the right man to do the film. Why? He had to work with Kubrick's version, with Stephen King's version of The Shining, and then with, so with the material of Dr. Slip. So basically, he had to combine all those things together. He, in some way, Dr. Slip feels as a redemption for the things that were left behind on Kubrick's version of The Shining, something that I'm kind of grateful. If you have read The Shining, you know what I'm talking about. If you have watched Dr. Sleep, even more. I'm not going to spoil you those. If you want to watch, if you haven't watched it already, if you want to read the novel, you should. It's really good. But something that I really like it was the fact how, although Stephen King hated and there's many people that hate it and there's even people that believe that The Shining is overrated he still pay homage to the original material of Kubrick watching the Overlook once again watching the carpet, the rooms having all these characters, having Wendy, having Jack, having Danny as a kid I think that he did a pretty good job so he paid homage in the best way that he could visually is stunning that's for me the basically the best part of it now like I said, for me, the story is way too long. The reality, I didn't click with the story. It feels way too long. The movie's long. It's two hours and 30 minutes. And I feel like it's way more. I feel like it's heavy. And it's just not the film for me. I think that the acting was okay. But in general, it wasn't the story for me. But that's, of course, not his fault. And even that, I still consider this a pretty good film. But if you ask me, I don't prefer this over Mike Flanagan's other works. Coming up next on the 8th position, it's Insomnia Before I Wake. This one is going to follow an orphanage child dreams and nightmares that manifest physically as he sleeps. I remember this one is available on Netflix. I remember that this one was one of the first movies I ever saw when I did my account on Netflix and of him. I didn't know at the time who the hell Mike Flanagan was. I just saw the poster and the title. I thought that looked interesting. Um, I used to do that a lot. Just see the poster and the horror selection without reading much and just watching. That's how I ended up watching a lot of movies, if they're good or bad. So this one, although it has one of the lowest ratings on his work, it's one I did enjoy a lot. I think that it's good. It's beautiful, the story and visually. 
the horror elements are really good well placed the reality so i think that this one deserves a little bit more love so this one is one that i do enjoy a lot of him and um it's it's a recommendation of mine if you haven't watched it already this one is a recommendation now on the seventh position we have Oculus. of this one is going to follow a woman that tries to exonerate her brother's murder conviction by proving on the crime was committed by a supernatural phenomenon I remember when this one came out, I didn't watch it on the movie theater, I watched it way later at home because I felt that it was too similar to The Conjuring and that type of films, maybe on the mainstream basic side, but I still gave it a chance a few years later and it didn't disappoint the reality, although I still believe that it's a little bit on the mainstream side. There's nothing wrong, I have said a few times, there's nothing wrong with liking mainstream movies. I mean, they are there for a reason and they can be good, they are not always bad. And in the case of Oculus, I think that it did a really good job with the supernatural elements that can be cheesy and like I said, maybe on the basic and overused side. So I think that he did a pretty good job with it and with the whole mirror thing. I think I like to have a mirror like that in my house because it's beautiful. But after consideration, I think that um, now just for the sake of my mental health, I better do it myself instead of buying it somewhere else because who never knows what those things can have. Who knows? On the place number six, we have Ouija, the origins of evil. This one is going to be in 1965 in LA, a widow mother and her two daughters add a new stone to bolster their sense scam business and wittily invite authentic evil into their home. Now, this one is a prequel to Ouija. Now, I don't even know if I am pronouncing it right because in Spanish is Ouija, but I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. If not, I'm sorry. So basically, uh, the first one, it's awful. Mike Flanagan didn't do that, of course. The one, it's awful. And I remember when they announced the prequel, I was like, no, I don't want to watch that. It's probably going to be bad, judging a book by its cover. Of course, years later, I decided to give it a chance. And I was actually surprised how good it was. And the reality is that it's way better, of course, than the first one. It ties the original story pretty good, the acting is pretty good, horror elements pretty good, visually it's pretty, I like the house, I think that it really sets the tone, also the fact that it's set on the 60s, I think that he did a pretty good job with bringing the vibes of it, sometimes you don't feel like you are into the time, sometimes it's not, but in this case it does feel like it. So I really, really like it. This one way more than I was expecting because once again, this one, it's a little bit on the basic mainstream side, but still he's able to make good movies out of it, even if it's something that we have seen before. Now, starting out on my top five, on the number five, it's the series Midnight Mass. This one came out in 2021, it's available on Netflix, it's a Netflix original, and this one is going to follow an isolated island community that experienced miraculous events and frightening omens after the arrival of a charismatic, mysterious young priest. Now, of course, since I already saw his previous series, I was really excited to see this one, and it didn't disappoint. I did a review about it. If you want to watch that, I'm going to be leaving it here in the description box down below. I think that it's a pretty solid series. Um, really good. The plot twist, amazing. 
the whole story in general, the characters, the whole island thing, of course, something that we have seen before. Once again, this man is able to bring things that we have seen before, but make him good enough in actually being interesting. Definitely, this is a must watch. If you haven't watched it already, this is a must. Now, on the fourth position, we have his second series, and it's The Haunting of Light Miner of 2020. I didn't do a video review about it since in the moment that it came out, I didn't have my channel, but I did a review on my blog, so I'm going to be leaving it right here. It's an old post, but still, in case that you want to read my full opinion on it, there you have it. Now, the series basically is going to follow a young American nanny that is hired to care for the orphanage niece and nephew of Henry Wingrave, who resides a Bly Manor in the States, Chief Owen, the groundskeeper Jamie, and housekeeper Miss Gross. Now, this one is based on the turn of the screw. Um, the book, really good. If you want to read that, it's a must. The reality, um, I do always recommend that you read the resource and basically the inspiration of a film, of a series it's good always to like do compare and contrast um not for everyone there's people that if they read something and then they watch the adaptation they're probably going to hate it or if they read it if they see it first and then they read it maybe they will not enjoy it but still i think that it's good to like read and watch so that you have like both versions of it so this one it's good it's scary but it's sad the reality is this is a sad ghost story, but at the same time, it's really good. The house is gorgeous. Now, in case that you don't know or you haven't seen never this series, in case that what the hell are you, why the hell are you waiting? You should watch this. Mike Flanagan has his thing both with this one and the other one that I'm going to be talking in a few moments. And it's that he hides ghosts on basically on the background of the scenes. So maybe you have some characters talking on a hall and you're going to see on the background, maybe it's a ghost under the stairs, maybe as some part of the house. And it's really fun, in my opinion, to be watching and having to look like, where's the ghost? Oh, here. There's almost even 200. So there are a lot all throughout the series, but it's really fun. So this one, it's sad. This is scary. But definitely some must watch. Entering on my top three, I have Gerald's Game of 2017. This is another Stephen King book. This one is going to follow a husband sex game goes wrong that Jesse and his handcuffed to a bed and a remote layhouse face warped versions, dark secrets, and a dire choice. So basically, there's this couple that are having some troubles and they want to spice things up so they get into this isolated lake house she gets handcuffs both of her hands are separated he dies way before like i will going to get to the excitement he also takes the blue pill before he dies and she's left right there on the bed now she needs to survive it's a really stressful film. It's a, I would call it a slow burn. It's pretty slow, but worth it. I think that they did a pretty good job with the material and the acting, really good. It's a stressful because, of course, you're like, when the hell is she going to come out of those handcuffs? Is she going to make it when the vision starts? There's a specific scene that has a little bit of 
gore, I wouldn't call it precisely body horror, but some gore seeing the damn. I am a strong person when it comes to that. And even it was like, mm. um, of course, I keep watching it, but it's like, damn, you can feel it. It's looks pretty real. So points for the makeup because it looks insane. Like you feel that that is actually happening. This is a must watch, the reality. Um, it's really, really good. I watched the film before reading the novel, but still I enjoy both. And like I said, it's a slow, but definitely worth watching it. Like my number two and by this is going to be pretty obvious which one is my number one but still let's move on and it's hush of 2016 this one is going to follow a deaf woman that is stalked by a psychotic killer in his scheduled home i can vividly remember 2016 everyone that's hyping this film i remember this is the first film i ever watched of mike flanagan and one of the first ones I ever watched when I opened my Netflix account. I can vividly remember the first one I watched was Carrie, the remake. I watched this one and I watched The Babadook. I didn't like it that much, that one that much, but I did enjoy Hush. I remember hearing everything about this film, how it was so good, the fact that she was deaf, how it made things even worse for the viewer, how it tricked your mind, blah blah blah. And I was like, this is way over hype. Should I watch this? Should I believe everyone? Of course, I give it a chance. It didn't disappoint. It's really stressful, once again. It's precisely, it's the part that you're watching and hearing everything and she's not, of course, because there's a point where someone is knocking on her window. Of course, she it's basically on her back. So she's not watching nor seeing everything that is happening behind her. And it's really stressful. It has, of course, just like Gerald's game, some parts of gore that hurts. Like you can feel it once again. It's kind of a little bit of the same formula with the difference that Gerald's game is a book and Hush is not. But still, I think that he did a pretty good job. I think that it tricks really the viewer because it's taking away one of the five senses. And I think that that definitely makes something on the viewer like when you're playing with this with taking away something as important and in this case is hearing of course the danger increases and you as a viewer watching it wanting to scream like girl watch out like it's really stressful but it's really really good so this one is a must watch if you haven't watched it already and you didn't want it because maybe the same reason as me that was maybe overhyped it's not it's a really good one and now on my number one and my favorite work of Mike Flanagan is The Haunting of Hill House. This one is based on The Haunting of Hill House. This is a classic horror book. Um, if you haven't read it already, once again, you should. It's really, really good. It's a must read. So this series is going to follow the cranes, a fractured family. They confront haunting memories of their old home and the terrifying events that I drove them from it. Now this series I vividly once again remember when it came out. I didn't watch it until months later because my sister was like, you haven't watched this, like this is your thing, why you haven't watched it? And I was like, well, I have seen it on Facebook. They're saying that it's the best thing out there. And I don't like watching things when they are bringing that type of marketing. 
like the scariest thing ever like that doesn't sit well for me because it had happened that I watched something that has the, that mark and it turns out to be trash so I just I am more careful with that but eventually of course I decided to give it a try and oh boy from the very beginning I was like why the hell it took me so long to watch this the story it's sad but so damn scary this one it's 10 times way scarier than Bly Minor and Midnight Mass by far this one is the scarier of all of them and it's in my opinion the best one and his best work I love it every single thing this one was again has the ghost thing of course this one came before Bly Minor so of course this one did it first it's really fun I had to watch it like twice to three times in order to find them all it's really good the casting amazing I think that every single one of them did such a good job and also the children now something that makes this so good is the fact that both the children and the adult versions of the characters are so well done and so well cast like for example I will highly believe that one of the biggest reasons that the it chapter one and two were such a big hit was because of the casting and how similar and how good on the quality level were both the, ch the children and the adults and in this case it was the same now the series goes a lot back and forth between the childhood and now when they are adults it kind of feels a little bit like it just a little bit on that side so you need to pay closely attention to it just because of that because you can miss details like maybe get a little bit confused about the events because of course they go back and forth a lot but I think that both the children they did an amazing job all of them and the adults all of them and they look pretty similar something that I give points like if you're going to cast a child and an adult make them look as similar as possible they did it right. Mike Flanagan did an amazing job with this. So of course I trust him in every series that he... And actually Mike Flanagan is bringing another series to Netflix. That it's The Fall of the House of Usher. The filming began in Vancouver on January 24th of this year. Um, I don't have an official date of when it's coming. Of course I am expecting it. I have high expectations for it. I mean it's Mike Flanagan. So at the end like I said... He's a really good director both in series and in films. He knows how to adapt things. That's a fact. So I trust him adaptations. And like I said, for me, he's one of the best directors of the last 20 years since for many people, the 2000s are the worst era of horror. Um, there's people that believe that the early 2000s, but... Uh, I am more on the 2010s. Of course, their modern horror movies are good. Like I am not the type of person that says all the good, all the new movies are bad. Only the old ones are good. Like I am not the type of person. But definitely, we have seen a lot of trash all the years, in mostly recent years. But still, there are a few and a bunch of horror movies that can be considered good, and they are recent. And when it comes to Mike Flanagan's work, all of them are there. All of his work, like I said, is really good. He never misses. And this ranking is more just a personal preference rather than actually saying which is his best work and which one is trash. Because like I said, for me, he doesn't have a bad work. And I don't think that he will ever have one. If not, I will be highly surprised, but I trust him.
Um, yeah, basically that's it. He's one of my favorite modern directors next to James Wong. I think that these two are really good, both on what they're doing on the modern horror. Now, of course, I have way other horror directors that I love, but these ones are the ones modern present day that they are alive. Most of the ones that I like are already dead. And that's that. And well, this is all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have enjoyed this and I can't wait to see you guys on the next episode next week, Tuesday at the same time, on the same place, at the same hour. And until the next one. Bye.